Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. We are this week wrapping up our five-week series called A Father's Stories. And uh, what we've been doing over the last five weeks is we've been looking at stories that parents tell their children, famous Bible stories that we share with our kids. Um, And as we've read them over and over again, I've read these uh, stories with my son Joshua, and as I've read it over and over again, I've come to realize that they're more than just stories for parents to tell their children, but they're actually stories from our Heavenly Father to us that reveal to us something of His character and His heart, and that invite us to trust Him and to follow Him uh, in new ways. And so we've been looking at those stories, some of these famous Bible stories over the last five weeks. We began that uh, on July 4th weekend by looking at Genesis 1 and the story of creation. And we continued it with uh, the next week by looking at David and Goliath from 1 Samuel 17. Followed it up with Jesus calling Simon to follow him in Luke 5. And then last week we looked at wee little Zacchaeus up in the tree from Luke chapter 19. Uh, Today we're going to wrap up this series by looking at uh, the story of Bartimaeus and Jesus' healing of the blind man in Mark chapter 10. Uh, That's where we're going to be today, but before we go there, let me uh, me pray for us. Father, I just thank you so much for today, and and Father, I thank you for your love and your compassion and your care that you show to us. Father, when we call out, Lord, have mercy, you hear it, you answer it, and you provide in enormous ways for us, and we just thank you for that. And Father, we just cry out to you this morning to have mercy on us and to show us your word and show us your truth. And Father, I pray that you would protect me from saying anything that you wouldn't want said. But Father, if I do say something you wouldn't want said today, I pray that it would just quickly be forgotten. But Father, any words that I share today that are your words and your truth, I pray that we would remember them, we would believe them, we would walk forward in them in faith and the power of your Spirit that we might be shaped more into the image of your Son. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we have been walking through this series, we've used as some of our images on the screen these, these pictures from Ella Lindvall's book, uh, books, Read Along Bible Stories. And uh, we put them up on the screen every week. And so you know, this has kind of been our title slide. And you've seen this if you've been with us the last month. You've seen this a number of times. And uh, so now I just want to do a little Q&A with you, a little just back and forth to, to find out. What, what, what colors do you see on that screen? Just you can feel free to shout them out. What do you got? Green, there's a little bit of green there. What else? Red, okay. Uh, what else? White, or, or maybe a little off-white, uh, mother of pearl, something like that. Um, we, we've, got, we've got all these different colors, some, some brown, and all these different colors are up there on the screen. Um, what, what kind of objects do you see on the screen? What are some of the things you see on there? People, yeah, there's a couple of people. There's like a father, and there's a son, and there's some hills. There's text and a box. Uh, All of those things are things that as we look at that screen and we describe what we see there, they're things we'd say, the screen has those things on it. Now, let's do something here real quick. What's on the screen right now? Nothing. Nothing. And when when you think of it, this is actually the natural state of the screen. The screen actually doesn't have green and red and brown and mother of pearl on it. The screen is 
kind of grayish white. This is how, how it exists all the time. It, and it doesn't normally have text and, and pictures and different things. It, it normally is just a big rectangle that sits here at the front of the room. We get the images, we get the view that we get with L. Linval's pictures when we project something onto the screen, but the screen itself actually looks quite different. You see, this picture, this analogy of a screen like this is actually going to be quite instructive for us as we look at Mark chapter 10 in the story of Bartimaeus today. Um, and, and as we look at it, we'll begin to unpack the connections between this screen and this story in Scripture, um, but we're not going to unpack it just yet, so you're going to have to have a little patience, and you're going to have to extend me a little trust that this is actually going someplace. Uh, but we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, and this, the account of Jesus healing, restoring sight to the blind man, Bartimaeus. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 10. It's where we're going to be today. Mark 10, 46 to 52. And, and as we look at this today, we're going to see two things. We're going to see two different truths that we're to grab onto in faith, two different applications for us as we seek to internalize this father's story about Jesus healing the blind man Bartimaeus. So let's look at it. The first thing we're going to see, we're going to see two things today. The first thing we're going to see from this story is that sometimes our sight can blind us. Sometimes sight blinds us. We see this in the first three verses, 46 to 48 of the passage. This is what it says, beginning in verse 46. It says, and they, this talking about Jesus and his disciples and followers, it says, and they came to Jericho. And as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, as this story begins to unfold, we see Bartimaeus is a blind man who is making a living by being a beggar. Because he can't see, he can't do normal jobs, and so his family or friends would take him by this busy road where he would beg day after day for the funds that were necessary to sustain his life. And Bartimaeus would go and beg by the entrance to the city of Jericho because Jericho was a city of some wealth. Uh, you know, when you, when you think about uh, the city of Jericho, last week we looked at Jericho and, and who lived in Jericho. Zacchaeus lived in, Zer- in Jericho. And Zacchaeus' job in Jericho was a chief tax collector who became a rich man by collecting taxes from the other rich people in the city of Jericho. Jericho was a city of some wealth. So if you're a beggar and you're going to beg for a living, doesn't it make sense that you would go beg by the entrance to the rich city? It's kind of like if you're going to go trick-or-treating, you want to go to the rich neighborhood with hopes you might get the full-size Hershey bar, right? Um, This is what happens, right? So the beggar goes to the rich city to beg for for some money. And as he's out there begging, he gets word that Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Now, this would have been, been big news because Jesus of Nazareth was somebody who had been very kind to those who were blind. 
Jesus actually had a reputation as someone who had the power to heal those who were blind. Listen to how Jesus describes his own reputation in the book of Luke, chapter 7 and verse 22. See, at this point, John the Baptist's disciples had come to see Jesus, and they had said, hey, are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, hey, just report back what you saw here and take it back to John. It says, starting in verse 22, Jesus answered them and said, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. You see, Jesus' reputation was one who could heal the blind. And so as Bartimaeus is out on the roadside by the entrance to this rich city, hoping to get some coins, he finds out that somebody is coming who has something even greater to offer. Jesus is coming, the one who is able to restore sight to the blind. And Bartimaeus gets excited. You know, it's interesting, the reputation of Christ precedes him. Also in Jericho, what we saw last week was that Zacchaeus was interested in meeting Christ. Why? Because Christ had the reputation of being a friend of tax collectors. Nobody was the friend of tax collectors but Christ. Zacchaeus was excited that a potential friend was coming, and he climbed the tree to see him. In this case, Bartimaeus, the blind man, gets word that Jesus is coming, and Jesus has a reputation for restoring sight to the blind. And so Bartimaeus is excited to meet Christ. And so Bartimaeus calls out in a loud voice. He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we might wonder, what is it that that Bartimaeus was really saying there? What does he mean, Jesus, son of David? What, what was that title? Did he just you know, pick that out because he was really into genealogies and he, he called everybody by the name of their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers? Or was there something more here? This, this statement that um, Bartimaeus makes calling Jesus the son of David was actually a very specific reference. It was a reference identifying Jesus as actually uh, the Messiah, the chosen one. Because the Old Testament was full of references, and Bartimaeus apparently was familiar with this, was full of references to the fact that one day a descendant of David would come and establish his throne on the earth. God made a promise to David, and it's echoed throughout the prophets. Uh, If you flip back to the book of uh, Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 5 and 6, we see a, a great passage indicating this. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch And he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. See, that prophecy from Jeremiah was indicating that a branch of David, a descendant of David, a son of David would come and would bring righteousness and healing to the people of Israel. And based on the reputation of Christ, based on the things that he had heard, Bartimaeus identifies Jesus as that son of David, that branch of David. And he calls out to him and he's basically saying, Messiah, you are the Messiah. Please stop and heal me. Have mercy upon me. And that's the scene that is beginning to unfold for us. Now, what's interesting is, and this is where we get to the applicational side of this, we need to consider where we fit in this story, is is this story about Jesus interacting with a blind man is not unique. As a matter of fact, if you look over the pages of the Gospels over and over and over again, Jesus is interacting with blind people. If you do a simple concordant search of blind in Gospels, you'll find that 43 times, 43 different verses in the Gospels, 
reference blind or, or blind people in some kind of a, of a figure. It was a very common part of Jesus' ministry to be interacting with those who are blind. Uh, furthermore, um, these many instances referring to blind people um, were preserved for us in Scripture so that 2,000 years later, you and I would see them and interact with them. There's a message, I believe, that God wants us as 21st century Christians to be able to understand through looking at Jesus' healing of blind people. I mean, certainly Jesus was showing compassion to them. Certainly there were people who were physically blind in that day that Jesus was healing, but why all these stories preserved for us to see today? Why did he repeat the miracles over and over again so that his disciples would see them played out again and again? I think the reason why is because there is a a parallel between physical blindness and spiritual blindness. See, there were some that had lost their physical sight, like Bartimaeus, but there were others who had lost their spiritual sight. They'd lost their ability to perceive and to understand the things that God was revealing to them in their midst. Some of those who were spiritually blind in the day of Christ were included his disciples. See, back in in Mark, just a couple of chapters earlier, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus has some interaction with his disciples. And and the the, the overall context for this scene is that that Jesus has just healed 5,000, or just fed 5,000 people on a hillside with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. And then they do some other things, and then in another location, Jesus feeds 4,000 hungry people with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. And the disciples were actively involved in both miracles, and they saw Jesus provide in this huge way in both instances. But then, after that feeding of the 4,000, they go out on a boat, and they get out on the water, and they realize, we forgot to pack any lunch. And they're talking to one another, and they say, we forgot to pack lunch. Where in the world will we find food out on the water? The obvious answer should have been the guy that just pulled a rabbit out of his hat to feed 9,000 people, right? Um, But they didn't get it. And so Jesus says to them in Mark 8, verse 17, he says, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, listen to this, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? See, Jesus calls the disciples out and said, There are people who are physically blind, but you guys are spiritually blind. You're right here in my midst, and things are happening around you, but you're not perceiving them in the right way. You're not understanding what I'm trying to show you, that is, I can provide for all of your needs. See, the disciples were spiritually blind. Interesting enough, right after Jesus says this to the disciples on the boat, they land on the shore, and what is the first thing he does? He goes and heals a blind person. Jesus kept healing blind people, I believe, in part, So that his disciples would see that he was the one who would give them sight, physical and spiritual. And the problem with the disciples, Jesus says, was was that they had a hard heart. 
And this hard heart prevented them from seeing the things that Christ was trying to reveal to them. I really think that what was happening with the disciples in their hard hearts was that they were projecting onto Christ who they thought he should be and what they thought he should do and how they thought he would respond. And as they projected those things onto Christ, it blinded them from seeing who he really was and what he was really trying to do for them. Their projection blinded them. Just like this screen is really blank, but we project an image onto it, and that's what we see. So the disciples had blinded, had become spiritually blind by projecting their own thoughts and ambitions onto Christ that were preventing them from seeing him for who he really was. And the question for us is, is it possible that we, though we can see physically, are also spiritually blind. See, Bartimaeus, the blind man, saw what all the religious leaders and the disciples were blind to because they saw Christ for who he was. Is it possible that we're projecting onto the world something of ourselves that's preventing us from seeing Christ at work around us? I think it is. You know, it's possible that, that some here today or some that we know or some that we interact with have come uh, in, in life to a position that says that there is no God. And you wonder, how can we come to a, an understanding and say that there is no God when we have this created order and evidence that points towards creation and you know, intelligent design and all these kinds of things? How can somebody come to that perspective? And, and a lot of times the reason for that is because somebody has come to a, a position for whatever reason that says there is no God. When they come to that position of saying there is no God, they begin to project that out onto the world. And everywhere they look, they see a world without God. But is God really not there, or are they just projecting that out onto the situation? The same thing could be said for for us as, as believers. Is it possible that we're in a situation where... We've been let down in some way. We've had a prayer that has gone unanswered. We've had a difficulty that has persisted. We've had people that have disappointed us. We've had a church that's disappointed us, whatever it might be. And we've come to the conclusion, based on all of those experiences that we've seen with our physical eyes, we've come to the conclusion that God doesn't care about us. We've come to the conclusion that God has abandoned us. We've come to the conclusion that we're on our own. And in reality, is, is that true? Or is that just something we're projecting onto the world around us? We're projecting an absent God understanding, making us blind to what God is really up to. Is it it possible that we have come to the understanding, we've come to a belief that that we are unlovable because of some sin in our past or something that we've done? We we believe that that we are so marred and, and scarred that there is no way that an eternal God could love us, much less anybody on this planet, and we live our lives thinking that nobody loves us. And the the reality is, is it true that nobody loves us, or are we just projecting onto the world around us this image that that we're forgotten, that we're broken, that we're forever separated? See, the reality is that we can project things that we see from our own lives onto the world around us that blind us to the truth that God is trying to communicate to us. And since the disciples had this problem, and since I believe it's possible that we have that problem here today, I want us to just try an experiment here and, and try for just a moment to turn off the projector. 
so that we can hear Christ passing by. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to, as you sit in your seat, just go ahead and just shut your eyes. Just, just shut your eyes and we're turning off the projector. What I want you to do is the, the things that, that you want to project out there onto the world of that I'm not loved, that God doesn't care about me, that there is no God, whatever it might be, the things that we're projecting out into the world, I want you to close your eyes and just turn off that projector for just a moment. And like Bartimaeus the blind man, I want you just for a moment that to hear the reality of Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture passing by. So we've seen over the last five weeks that at the time that was the beginning, at that very moment of creation, Jesus already was. He didn't have to create anything, but He chose create this world and he chose to create you because he wanted to have a relationship with you and he wants that relationship so bad that even after sin has entered the world he's willing to go to great lengths all the way to the cross to die on the cross so that your sins might be forgiven and so that you might have a relationship with God and this this Jesus, who was willing to die for you, is also the same one who healed the blind and healed the sick and healed the lame and healed the leper. And the Word of God tells us that He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, just like Diane said earlier. He never changes. And so that same God who cared for people on the pages of Scripture is the same God that cares for you today. And he's interested and aware in the things that you're going through, even this morning. And he has placed you within a community of believers where his spirit is shared so that you might be encouraged and edified and move forward in faith. See, with the projector off, that's the picture of Christ revealed to us in Scripture. And as he passes by, don't you like Bartimaeus just want to shout out, Lord, have mercy on me. You can open your eyes. You see, our sight sometimes can blind us from seeing the reality of who Christ is. But just as Jesus interacts with, just as the blind man Bartimaeus could interact with Jesus and see who he really is, we have the opportunity to turn the projector off and to see Christ for who he really is as well, as he's revealed to us on the pages of his word. See, sometimes sight can blind us. But the second thing I think we need to see from the story of Bartimaeus is that all the time, Christ cares for us. All the time, Christ cares for us. Sometimes sight blinds us, but all the time, Christ cares for us. And we, we see this beginning in verse 49 as we continue the story. It says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and he followed him on the way. Now the story as it it unfolds there is that Bartimaeus is calling out, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
And all of the people in the crowd who have gathered around, and remember the crowd is quite large. Zacchaeus had to climb a tree to see Jesus. The crowd is quite large around the city of Jericho. And all of this crowd and all of Jesus' disciples hear Bartimaeus calling out for Jesus, and they say, hey, Bartimaeus, pipe down. Don't bother Jesus. Jesus has way more important things to do. This is a subtle message than to spend time interacting with you, a blind man. That's really what they were saying. They weren't weren't ignoring Bartimaeus. They were prioritizing him. They were saying, Jesus has more important things to do. Just be quiet and take your place. When the crowd passes, you can ask for money from whoever's left. It's kind of what they were doing. And the, the, the reality is, did Jesus have other things that he needed to do? Did Jesus have something in his near future a location where he was headed that was very important. Absolutely he did. Where was Jesus headed? We saw this last week. He started this long journey to where? Jerusalem, to Golgotha. Jesus was on his way to the cross to die for the sins of the world. That is the most significant, most important event in all of human history, and it was right there on Jesus' daytimer. He knew that's where he was headed. For anybody to blow off somebody else, Jesus could have had every reason to do it. I've got the most important thing in the history of the planet on my agenda. Bartimaeus, be quiet. Jesus didn't even have to say it. Everybody else had already said it. But what Bartimaeus finds out is that we have a God who always cares for us. Jesus stops. He says, hey, bring him to me. Bring Bartimaeus to me. And they say, hey, you've, you just hit the jackpot, Bartimaeus. Jesus is calling you to himself. And what they found out in that very moment was that Jesus all the time cared for people, including people like Bartimaeus. And you know what? That is so important for us to grasp. It's so important for us to see because so many times, so many times, we project onto Christ this notion that says that he's too busy for us, or my problem is too significant, insignificant for him. We, we think that because we're projecting onto him our attitudes. We do that all the time. All the time, we ignore people because we have other things that we need to do, don't we? I mean, sad as that is, that's just the reality. I mean, I, I know that, that uh, uh, I, I've experienced this. This is something that, that, uh, that, that, I, that I, I do too much, um, sadly to say. I remember one time recently I was in the kitchen, I was doing dishes, and my, my son was, was calling out to me, and he was wanting to talk to me about something. Hey, Dad, you know, I've got this very important job of getting the dishes cleaned, right? And you know, so I'm like doing all this stuff, and he's calling out. I'm like, in a second, when I get the important job of dishes cleaned, then I will talk to you. And I'm, in the process of doing that, I realized, what am I doing? What am I doing? And so I, I stop for a minute and I, I turn and, and, and I talk to him. But, but because I have the propensity to do that, because I have the propensity to think that I have other important things and I ignore people at times, and like that story with my son is an illustration of that, I project that onto Christ at times and I think, you know what? He's just too busy to deal with me. He's got too many other things. You know, I, I have this situation that I want to pray about, and we imagine that God says, you know what, I'd love to, love to hear from you, but right now I'm solving Middle East peace crisis. You know, come back in, in you know, a bazillion years when that's all resolved, and we'll talk about this, right? I mean, we, we think that. We, we begin to think. We project onto Christ this notion. And the reality is, the reality is, the story of Bartimaeus removes 
that projection from our possible understanding, and it shows that God cares for us all the time. He cared for Bartimaeus, and he cares for you, and he cares for me. We can always come before him. He, even in the midst of the most pivotal event in human history, he stopped to converse and to show mercy to the blind man, and he will do the same with us. So we have a God who always cares for us. And when he stops, he talks to, to Bartimaeus. He says, what is it that you want? You think, what a, what a silly question. You know, a blind man comes up to the healer of blind people, and he says, you know, what is it that you want? Do you want a sandwich? Do you want a conversation? What do you want? And I mean, it, it, it's somewhat obvious what he wants. He wants to have his sight restored. But Jesus asks him anyway, what is it? That you want of me. And I believe the reason why was partly for Bartimaeus and partly for the crowd, for Bartimaeus to articulate his belief that Jesus could heal him if he so chose. And when Bartimaeus says, I want you to restore my sight, Jesus says, Your faith has made you well, go. And his sight was completely restored. What an amazing moment that was. His sight was restored. You see, it was this, this moment where Jesus had offered this gift of healing, and Bartimaeus received it by faith. Now, not every person that has a physical affliction is offered that kind of healing in this life, but that kind of healing was offered to Bartimaeus. All of us are offered things like the care of God. All of us are offered things like the forgiveness of our sins. All of us are offered many things, but this was a specific instance of something that was offered to Bartimaeus, but, but the pattern still holds true for the things that God has offered to all of us. And that is that when God offers us a gift, He wants us to receive it in faith. He wants us to believe that it's so. And Bartimaeus believed that Jesus could restore his sight, and his sight was restored. And in our situations, when we believe that our sins can be forgiven because of the work of Christ on the cross, then it's so, our sins are forgiven. When we believe that, that God is with us in the midst of our, the difficult situation and circumstances that we're going through, it's, it's so, he's with us, he's ministering to us, he's caring for us in those times. This is the way that God interacts with his people. He offers us gifts, and He wants us to embrace them in faith and in belief. And when we do, we get the opportunity to become a part of the followers of Christ. Look at what happened to Bartimaeus. After Jesus says, your faith has made you well, it says, immediately, Bartimaeus recovered his sight, and he followed him on the way. When Bartimaeus comes into this relationship with Christ, he immediately hops into this you know, motley crew that is following Christ. Think about who was with him. Former tax collectors, former prostitutes, former lame people, former blind people, all you know, following Christ together. See, everybody who follows Christ is a former something. All of us are imperfect people following a perfect God. We have this awesome privilege of being involved in this, this community. But the problem is that sometimes today we think, you know what, everybody at church has it all together, or everybody in my small group has it all together, or everybody who's there, they, they've never had any problems of their own, so how could I ever relate to them? I never want to you know, reveal to them anything that I struggle with. I never want to be real there. I never want to go there because I just feel too too broken and ugly. The reality is that all of us, as we follow Christ, 
All of us are just imperfect people. Former blind, former whatever. Washed clean in, in the forgiveness of Christ. With this opportunity to be with Him forever. See, if we ever get to a spot where we wonder, does Christ care? Does, is His body, His parade that is following Him through this world, do, do they care? Do they, are they going to look down on me because of my past or the things I struggle with or whatever? The reality is that as believers in Christ, we always have a God who cares for us. And we follow Him as people, imperfect people following a holy one. The story of Bartimaeus is a story of Jesus healing a blind man, but for us the application is that we have the opportunity to have our spiritual sight restored by Christ as we turn off the projector and as we embrace the fact that he's always caring for us. Over five weeks we've looked at these different stories and different Bible stories, and you know, as we conclude this series, I was thinking about this, I was talking to Kimberly about it uh, the other day, but you know, every night after we read a story to Josh, whether it's one story or whether it's the tenth story of the night, it always follows with the same thing. Read me another one. I mean, before you can even turn that last page, he's anticipating, he's getting it out, you know, he's just trying to filibuster the evening, keep it going as long as he can. You know, read me another story, read me another story. And, and, and the reality is that the stories of God's Word, the story of God caring for His people, these Father stories, when we hear them, we really it, it springs up within us the desire to hear more. We want to hear more of these stories. And the, the great thing for us is that God's Word is full of these stories. We can go back again and again and again whenever we have the opportunity, whether it's at night before we go to bed or in the morning when we get up or at lunchtime or listening on a CD on the way to work. We have the opportunity to hear the Father's stories that reveal to us his heart for us, because we have a Father who loves us. And truly, it's, it's, it's my heart that that's what we would do. We would embrace the Father who loves us. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for today. I thank you for your love for us, your goodness. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you that you care for us every moment of our lives. Father, and we want to project onto you that you're this busy God that doesn't care, but the reality is that your word shows us from examples like Bartimaeus that you always hear, you always understand, and you always provide for us. Father, I pray that we would be a people who would turn to you with all of our needs, that we would fall down before you like Bartimaeus and cry out, Lord, have mercy on me, and that we would feel your comforting touch in our lives. Father, I pray today, knowing that there are probably some here who have had in their projection into the world a reality that doesn't include the Christ of the Bible and have never placed their faith in what you're offering for the forgiveness of their sins. And Father, I just want to pray today, if there are some here like that, that they would have heard Christ pass through through the work of your Spirit and that they might call out today, Lord, have mercy on me and feel and receive by faith the forgiveness that you offer in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.